You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Well, Jesus is journeying toward the cross throughout this Lenten season. He's journeying toward the cross in Luke's gospel. We met him yesterday and he paused on his journey toward Jerusalem to talk with us, to give us the gospel in the place of our fears. Today he comes to us as he's journeying toward the cross to stop and speak with us on repentance. This is Jesus on repentance. Luke 13, I'll read verses 1 through 9. Hear now the gospel of the Lord. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. And then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Jesus, we needed to hear you on fear yesterday. Perhaps we need to even hear you more on repentance today. These words are harder. They're not as easy to connect with, but we need them for repentance is unto life away from death and unto life and toward you, Jesus. Toward you with your arms stretched out to us from the cross. Give us repentance that times of refreshing may come from the Lord for us and that we might give flavor and taste to the world around us. We pray it all in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Martin Luther, in the first of his 95 theses, which sparked the whole era of the Reformation, did not say something really theological or about the government or the polity of the church. He said something very practical. He said this in the first of his theses. When our Lord Jesus Christ said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, he willed that all the lives of all believers should be that of repentance. 
Luther started with repentance, that it should be our whole way of life. It's where Jesus started in his public ministry. The first words we hear him uttering right are repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Mark tells us that. Matthew tells us that as well. But Luther also said, right, this is where Jesus started and we should start there. But he also said that modern people, and he was talking about people in the 1500s, right? But it certainly fits us 500 years later, that modern people struggle with repentance. That we look at repentance like a cow in a field staring at a new gate. What do we do with this? How do we pass through? Well, what is repentance? Repentance, first of all, and if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Repentance is a grace of the Lord. Just like faith. Faith and repentance go together. The reformers called them the twin sisters of our gospel response to Jesus. They're like two socks, faith and repentance together, that we have to wear in order to put on the gospel of peace as our shoes. To shod our feet with the gospel of peace, we need both faith and repentance together. But just like faith is a gift from God, not as a result of works that no person should boast, repentance is a gift from God. Do you hear Jesus in this parable? I'm going to dig around the tree of your life. I'm going to fertilize you. I'm going to hold off the judgment of God ultimately so that I can work repentance in you. There's this beautiful section in the book of Acts, right? Acts 10 and 11, where the gospel is breaking out to the Gentile world, uh, where Cornelius and people around him are coming to faith in Christ, the first people who were not first converts to Judaism in order to be converts to Christ. And in chapter 11, Peter goes after the beauty of this encounter in chapter 10 of Acts. He goes down to Jerusalem and he's explaining what's happened with Cornelius in this outbreak of the gospel that's beginning to go out to the whole world. And the Jewish leaders stop. And the text says in chapter 11, verse 18 of Acts, that they glorified God and they said, God has granted too to the Gentiles repentance unto life. God's granted it. It's a gift. So don't be scared of repentance. It's a grace that Jesus intends to gift us with, to work in our lives as his followers. What does it mean, the word Jesus uses here? Metanoia in the Greek implies a change of mind and a change of heart that leads to a whole change of life. It's rooted in the Old Testament concept of repentance. That is, if I'm walking one way, that I turn and walk completely another way. If I've been looking to my idols for salvation and hope and safety and comfort and peace, I turn away from them to turn toward the living God as the prophet said, Israel, turn and live. It's a change of mind and a change of heart that leads to a whole change of life because we're turning away from the idols that grip our lives, that we think are our functional saviors of comfort or financial security or family or control or sexuality. And we turn toward God who is our savior and our hope. Well, when should we repent? This group comes to Jesus with an interesting question. 
Jesus, there's been a catastrophe recently. Did you hear about it? Uh, people came from this region out here in Galilee, and, and they came into the temple in Jerusalem, and Pilate sent soldiers in and slaughtered them in the temple and mingled their own blood with the blood of their sacrifices, totally defacing the temple area, making it utterly unclean. Jesus, surely these people were worse sinners than any others, and that's why God allowed this to happen. And Jesus says, what? No. You want to have a philosophical conversation about evil and the problem of evil, we can do that at other times. But the first order of business is that you repent. And then Jesus tells his own story. Do you think that the people who had the towers fall on them in the area of Siloam in the city of Jerusalem. Do you think that they're the worst people in Jerusalem? I tell you no. You need to repent too or likewise perish. When do we need to repent? All the time. When there is tragedy around us or when we have escaped tragedy. When we were the ones hit by the storms or when the storms passed over us. But we especially need to repent, Jesus says here, when we are tempted to feel as though we are more righteous than others around us. When we want to compare our lives and our sense of God's blessing on them and say, I am better than he is. I am better than she is. Utterly, we need to repent in that space. Where does repentance take us? Jesus says, away from death, away from perishing, to life, because it takes us back to him. Why are we so often afraid to repent? Because we think we have done something we have sat with our idols so long. We have just caved in to those patterns of rebellion or addiction. So many times we have found ourselves again out in the far country like the prodigal son again and again and again. And we think there is no way that the Father would take us back from there. The great staller to your repentance will always be that you doubt whether the love of God can reach you there. From that space you find yourself in. And Jesus says, no. No, I'm the one here to grace you with repentance, to work it in you. He speaks to us from this journey on the cross that he will complete. He stretches out his arms to you from that cross. And he says to you, I want to embrace you with the love of God that is so deep and wide and high and long that I have come as God in the flesh to die for you. I have forged a path for you to repent from any space, from any place. Come back to me. I love you. And I will not let you go. Now, what will our repentance do for us? 
because it brings us back into the love of Christ, into the arms of Christ, because ultimately it is putting off the false gods to put on and live inside of the love of the true God who is the Savior of the world and the lover of your soul. Because it is this pathway, because it brings you into the love of God, it creates good fruit in your life. Fruit that will last. Fruit that Jesus is committed to growing in you. And in may the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The fruit of a changed life, as, as John the Baptist preached in the early chapters of Luke, we stop oppressing. We stop distorting. We stop manipulating. We stop controlling. Because we are submitting ourselves before God, we are experiencing the love of God in fresh ways. And we put off these ways of death and we put on the way of life. What will it produce? It's interesting. Jesus likens our lives to a fig tree in a vineyard. This is still done. It was done in the ancient world. It's still done in the wineries of California and France and and elsewhere. All kinds of fruit trees are planted in the corners and edges of vineyard spaces. Why? Yes, to bring beauty, but especially to bring flavor, to give the wine a special flavoring, to make that vintage full of something sweet and rich and surprising. And as repentance is growing in us, others around us in the vineyard of God's world can taste a freshness, a beauty, a flavoring, an aroma, a surprising fullness that they cannot find anywhere else. When we repent, it's life. It's life not just for us. It's life for those around us. You want to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a friend that you're longing for? Show her. Show him your brokenness and your repentance. You're turning back toward God in the hope of his love. It not only gives them courage to do the same, it shows them what the whole gospel is about. You've given them, as it were, a little passion play right before their eyes. Because that's when you're really resting in the cross of Christ, not just as some idea or some construct but as your hope in life and in death. Friends, let us repent and live. And may the life of Christ flourish in us for our sakes and the world's. Amen. Thanks be to God. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.